Good evening to everyone. It's good to be alive, isn't it? And to be here tonight. A lot to be thankful for. David, uh, when he asked me to fill in for him, asked uh, if I didn't mind to just give a, a little brief a report uh, over our uh, sojourn activity. And uh, I agree to do that. Uh, we do feel when uh, we go on these sojourns that uh, we are still a part of Midway, uh, an extension of Midway, and we represent Midway. And so uh, also we, uh, from time to time, when it's an extensive journey like this last one uh, was, the elders have been very gracious to uh, help us out with our fuel cost. And always we uh, feel and appreciate the, the prayers of, of many on our behalf uh, and also uh, in other ways that, that you have assisted us. And we appreciate that very, very much. We feel that we are blessed uh, to be able to do this kind of work. We are in our seventh year now, and when we started out, we uh, said we would really, the Lord willing, like to do this for 10 years, and uh, I think maybe by the age of 75, uh, you don't need to be meeting me on the highway with a 30-foot rig. <laughs> Might not be a good idea, so I don't know. The Lord knows uh, how much longer we will have, but uh, this has been a good year. Uh, we have finished up our, our sojourns. There were, I believe, five in all. I think five. And uh, let me just briefly mention uh, how they went. We started off uh, in the month of March by uh, leading a, a sojourn team over at the North Alabama Christian Children's Home in Florence. And that went very well. It was uh, totally a physical uh, sojourn. We did a lot of uh, work and repair on the campus and helping them with their uh, materials that they're going to be putting on sale, yard sale, for benefiting uh, the, uh, the home. Uh, the women did a lot of work in the pantry and sorting out stuff for the yard sale. And so that was a, a very good uh, uh, experience. Midway has a, a long history of being a part of that work and helping out in various ways. In April, we were down in Walker County at the Zion Church of Christ in, in Parish, uh, just near uh, Jasper. We were in the stomping grounds of our preacher, and I tried my best to get some dirt on him, but nobody was talking. I don't know if he's got them bribed or, or what, or gave them... A warning not to say anything, but no, that it was a good sojourn. It's, all of these congregations are small. They're about 30 or less, sometimes uh, single digits uh, as far as attendance is concerned. But we did, uh, this was a uh, combination. In sojourns, we, we have a designation. It's either a physical sojourn, you're just doing physical work, repair work, remodeling, or maintenance work uh, wherever, at uh, the small churches, Bible camps, uh, children's homes, and so forth. Or you're doing spiritual sojourns, which is totally evangelistic. 
And up until this year, that's all that Kay and I have been a part of were evangelistic sojourns. So this is our first year to participate in some of the physical um, uh, work. But all of the rest of our sojourns were what we call combos, combination. It was a partial uh, spiritual or evangelistic. All of them actually are spiritual because whether you're driving a nail or sawing a plank or having a Bible study, you're Christians and you let your light shine and you have your radar up and open for any opportunities that come your way. But that's how they kind of divide them up. And so uh, in Zion, we uh, uh, usually on these kind of sojourns, we do a lot of door knocking, trying to set up Bible studies, uh, sharing the gospel with people right at the doorstep. Uh, because of COVID, though, that changed uh, the whole outlook. And last year, all of our sojourns were canceled because of it. But this year, we were able to go out, but everybody was pretty much of the same opinion that uh, maybe it would be best, at least for this year, not to actually try to engage people by knocking on their door and talking to them. But rather, we did, uh, instead of door knocking, we did door hanging. Uh, what they're doing down in South Texas right now, filling the, the bags with various tracts and other material containing the, the gospel and that kind of thing. And we go throughout the uh, community uh, hanging uh, bags on, uh, on doors. In May, we were uh, in Aiken, South Carolina, and this was, uh, uh, again, a combination physical and uh, spiritual uh, we did uh, quite a bit of door hanging there as far as the uh, evangelistic part uh, was concerned. Uh, there was uh, hope, I think, for one or two Bible studies that, that happened anyway. If we meet somebody in the front yard, we're not going to just walk away from them. We are going to engage them. So uh, a few of those uh, uh, presented themselves there at Hampton Avenue. Uh, but for the most part, it was a physical uh, a lot of demolition. They had to remodel their baptistry. And uh, just a lot of hard work. <laughs> I found out that the old Green Mary ain't what she used to be. And maybe Ken could share some light on that. But anyway, it was good. And uh, we encouraged the, uh, the brethren there. Uh, then in June, we were in uh, West Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, this was, uh, again, a combination. Uh, we didn't do a lot of door hanging there. Actually, uh, we prepared the packets to be hung, but I think they were going to let a, a youth group that was scheduled to come behind us uh, to do the actual going into the community and hanging the bags that, that we had helped prepare. Uh, and again, it was a, a baptistry remodeling. If you've never remodeled a baptistry, um, don't. Uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, but then in June and July, we were in Sayre, Pennsylvania, working with the uh, Valley Cities uh, Church of Christ there. Uh, this was also a combination. Uh, we did some teaching uh, there, the women. Uh, had some opportunities with the women to have some classes. And also we men had opportunities to preach and to teach. And overall, these were designed to uh, encourage. 
if nothing else, uh, some of these small congregations, especially coming through a year like we had in 2020, they were in need of encouragement. Many of them were just beginning to meet back uh, when we were there with them. And uh, they were kind of down. And uh, they expressed to us over and over again that just our being there, uh, just some warm bodies being there was an encouragement. And of course, that's always our, our goal is to encourage them. Uh, but as far as the physical goes, uh, we did a lot of painting, we did a lot of uh, demolition, we did a lot of drywall, a lot of plastering, a lot of uh, remodeling. The women primarily did a lot of painting, uh, up and down ladders uh, and painting. But it's a blessing to be able to do something like this. And uh, the Lord willing, uh, we, we want to continue and we will put it in the Lord's hands of how much longer we will be able to do this. But as I said, we do consider ourselves to be a part of this congregation when we go out. And uh, we let people know that we are members of the Midway Church of Christ in Moulton, Alabama. started to say Trinity, but we moved cities, didn't we? But anyway, I hope that this brief uh, report has uh, given you a little bit of insight as to what we've been up to and uh, we are glad to be back home. Jesus showed us this morning uh, that true self-denial by emptying himself of his equality with God and subjecting himself to the Father uh, is what self-denial is all about. And you remember, uh, we went to Philippians 2 to uh, get some insight from the Apostle Paul into exactly what this involved with uh, Jesus' submission. And so just as a reminder in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, Paul writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus' subjection, his self-denial, took him all the way to death on the cross in Verse 8 of this reading, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so the way to self-denial in us, that's what the point was this morning in the lesson, also leads to emptying ourselves of self and taking up our cross and dying on it. If you look back at our text that we've been going from in Luke chapter 9, in verses 23 and 24, again, then he said to them all, if anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And so here we see 
that the way to self-denial in us also leads to an emptying. And for us, it's an emptying of self and taking up our cross and dying on it. One thing to take up your cross, you know, sometimes in traveling you see these people trying to, uh, I'm sure they are, they're sincere in what they're doing, but they're walking down the highway with a cross. And the cross has a wheel on the back, but doing that. But here we're looking at uh, ourselves in our self-emptying, in our submission to God that we have to also be obedient unto death, even death on a cross. So we need to take up our cross, as he says here, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And Luke adds the word daily, whereas the other accounts do not mention that. But here, take up your cross daily. And I'm submitting that it also leads to our dying on that cross that we take up daily. So I want us to look at three aspects of dying. And again, we are looking at the phases that Jesus gives here in Luke 9, 23 and 24 of becoming a disciple of his. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, which we talked about this morning, and take up his cross daily. And that's death. Death is involved in our becoming a disciple of Christ. And then the Lord willing, next Sunday we'll look at the third in this series, uh, which is direction. But we're going to be looking at the cross of Christ, first of all. Secondly, the cross of self. And then thirdly, bearing my cross daily. So first, let's consider the cross of Christ. The death of Christ was a part of God's plan to save man from the very beginning. In Isaiah chapter 53, this is the prophecy of Jesus bearing our sins. And the Roman cross, as we know, was an instrument of death to the point a criminal's death. And yet... That is the death that God chose for Jesus Christ. Consider Matthew chapter 26, 39 and 42. In the Garden of Gethsemane again, And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then down in verse 42, again a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So it was God's will that Jesus go and die on a Roman cross. In predicting his death, Jesus indicated that it would be by crucifixion on a Roman cross. In John chapter 12, verses 32 and 33, Jesus says, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. 
This he said signifying by what death he would die, meaning the cross. And then in Luke chapter 24, verses 6 through 7, this is when the women, after the burial of Jesus, after his crucifixion, they go to the tomb to finish the preparations for proper burial, and there they don't find Jesus, but they find two men clothed in bright garments, saying to the women, He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified. And the third day rise again. Jesus had already been talking about it before the Garden of Gethsemane, before it all happened. Says, I'm going to die, I'm going away, and I'm going to be dying on a cross, a crucifixion. So Jesus made the cross central to his religion. In the wisdom of God, our Lord's death on the cross was an absolute requirement and precondition of human redemption. And in his death on the cross, his atoning blood was shed. In Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28, as he is uh, bringing about in the instituting of the Lord's Supper, as we call it, it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And so it was on this cross, this Roman cross of crucifixion, that the atoning blood that saves you and me from our sins was shed. And so the cross also became the central message of the gospel. And you know that the meaning of that word means good news. So it is the good news that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and was raised again the third day. We read about this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, which is familiar to us. Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. But notice how Paul reads it uh, still in 1 Corinthians, but in chapter 1, verses 17 through 25, a little bit of a lengthy reading, but it makes the point here. Paul writes, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? 
Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. Now notice. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The cross, the cross, this instrument of criminal death, became the central message of the gospel. Well, if the cross was central to Jesus, it must be central for his followers also. We have to be cross-centered. More than just an emblem or a symbol, more than just jewelry to be worn, more than just something to put on top of a building, more than something maybe to be inscribed on the table where the Lord's Supper is, is uh, presented. More than all of that, it is to be our central focus as well. Cruciformed is a word that's been co- uh, coined to describe the perspective and the central focus of Christians. We are to be focused on the cross that Jesus died on. So in Luke 9.23 that we read a while ago from our text, he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now you fast forward five chapters to Luke 14 and verse 27, and there we find that he says, and whoever does not bear his cross... So take up your cross now becomes bearing your cross. And come after me cannot be my disciple. So Jesus bore his cross and we must bear our cross as well if we are to be a disciple of Christ. Now Jesus bore his cross all the way to his death. And I'm submitting that we must bear our cross to our death, specifically the death of self. So let's look at our own cross, the cross of self now in the second place. We talked this morning about self-denial. How do we deny self? You kill it. You put it to death. That's the only way. That's what we're talking about here. We are to take up, we are to bear our cross daily. And that means just as Christ died on the cross and in doing so secured our salvation, so to be followers of his, we've got to die on the cross of self. In verse 24 of our text, you remember that Jesus says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life Whoever loses his life will find it. And so we have to die. 
as well. We have to put to death self. Anyone who loses his life for Jesus' sake gives it in service and sacrifice to God by denying himself. Such a man will save his life by gaining eternal life. I think perhaps better than any other illustration, Jesus illustrates this principle of putting Dying to self, dying to sin in order to have eternal life, he puts it very well in John chapter 12 in verses 24 through 26. And this is what I call the principle of the seed. Uh, we're gardeners, we're farmers in here, we're familiar with God's nature and how things work, how plants are planted, how seed are sown how it comes up and how there is a stalk and an ear and grain. We're familiar with that. So listen now as Jesus describes his principle in John 12, verses 24 through 26. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And so we see that in the principle of the seed that death is necessary, isn't it? You take a live seed that has a germ of life within it, a grain of corn, and it's beautiful. It has that hard shell over it, a pretty yellow color and the shape of it, and you just lie it here, lay it here on this table, and a 100 years from now, it'll still be beautiful, still have a germ of life in it, but it'll still be by itself alone. It's only when you take that seed and you dig a hole and you put it in the earth and you cover it up and it receives rain and it receives sunshine that that seed begins to rot. It begins to break down. It begins to die. But in doing so, it puts forth that little sprout and it comes on up and it breaks the ground and it becomes a small plant and then it keeps growing and then it produces ears and those ears contain hundreds of seed. By dying, the seed gave life to many more like it. And so our death to self is by death on the cross, just like Jesus. Now, our cross is identified with, uh, our cross is identified with Christ's cross in baptism, we know this. We know this analogy. In Romans chapter 6, in verses 3 through 6, familiar words to us. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was what? That our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That's it. That's our cross. That it began in baptism. We are baptized into Christ's death. That's where we come in contact with the atoning, saving blood. But as we die to sin, as we die to self, as we are buried with Christ in baptism, then we come up on the other side, a new creature. So Jesus' death on the cross, and we are baptized into his death. Our old man of self-serving and sin was crucified with Christ. There was a crucifixion of self when we were baptized into Christ. And it put the person formerly lived for himself into salvation. In Romans uh, 6, verse 6, as we've already talked about. So having denied self by repentance and being crucified with Jesus in baptism, we arise to walk a new man in Christ. I think it would do good for us to imitate Paul's example as he imitated Christ. He encouraged us to do this. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. So I want us to look at Paul's understanding of personal self-crucifixion with Jesus on his cross as found in the book of Galatians. Three scriptures in Galatians. Notice what he says. In Galatians 2 and verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Paul says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then in Galatians 6, verse 14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. And so this is where our cross that we are to take up daily, that we are to bear daily, happens. It began with baptism, but it didn't end there. We arose to walk in newness of life. We are saved now because of that baptism into Christ where we crucified our old man of sin. But, as we said, by inspiration, Luke added the word daily, and I'm sure that Jesus said this. Others just didn't mention this one word. But Luke says that Jesus said, take up your cross daily. 
and come after me. And Jesus' sacrifice for us, as we know, was once for all time. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28, the writer says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So Jesus doesn't have to be dying daily on the cross. His sacrifice for us was once for all time. The emptying of self and being crucified with Christ is our sacrifice offered to him. We give our lives to God every day. A total sacrifice of self to do the will of Jesus. Whatever he wants with my life is what must be done with it. What I want no longer matters, but I give myself to him just as he gave himself for us, despite the fact that his human nature did not want to have to do it. I think uh, Paul states it best in Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, concerning this aspect of daily being crucified with Christ, of offering a daily bearing of our cross and dying on that cross. Notice what the Apostle Paul says here in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God." He talks here about a living sacrifice. A sacrifice, as we tend to think of it, is when you take something. In the Old Testament, it was the slaying of of different animals and offering them as a sacrifice unto God. It is a killing. It is a taking of a life to offer a sacrifice. But here, Paul says that we are living sacrifices. Somebody once kind of lightheartedly said the only problem with a living sacrifice is that we keep wanting to crawl off the altar. We've got to stay on. We've got to crucify ourselves, the old man of sin, daily if we are to be pleasing to God. So the benefits of Christ's death on the cross continues on after baptism. We know this from John, uh, 1 John chapter 1. And verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. And if you translate it literally, it says, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. And so the benefits of Christ's death on the cross didn't just end. It wasn't just a one-time thing that when you were baptized, you were saved and that was it. No, that blood keeps on flowing. As we do our best to walk in the light of God's teachings in His Holy Word, as we do our best to stay in the light of His Word, then that blood, just like a windshield wiper, keeps on wiping the water away. It keeps on wiping our sins away. And then that a beautiful thing? But in a similar way, Our emptying of self at baptism continues on. 
day by day as our sacrifice to God. So we've got to keep on uh, dying to self and crucifying self. It's got to continue. I think Paul does a good job in summing up this idea again in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, where he writes, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So daily cross-bearing is an everyday reality for Christians, for followers of Christ. And I know we desire to follow after Him. And if we do, it involves death. Death on our own cross daily, crucifying self and living for Christ. So by crucifying the old man in baptism, the new man answers and arises to a new life in Christ. Really, the reality of that new life is this. And it puts, Paul puts it best in Romans 6 again, but down in verses 10 and 14. Listen to him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon or consider are counted to be so, yourselves to be dead. Let me read it again. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Shall not. If we are crucifying self, if we are giving ourselves to God, if we consider that Christ owns us and not we ourselves, then yes, we will sin. We're not perfect. Only Jesus lived a sinless life. But this one thing we have, sin will no longer sit on the throne. Sin is defeated day by day as we are crucified on the cross of self. And sin shall not have dominion over us. Our treasure, Jesus says, is in heaven. Well, self-denial is accomplished by being crucified with Christ. That's how we deny self. We die. So if we, as Christians, and let me close these thoughts with this thought, talking primarily to Christians tonight, I know, But if we as Christians, as followers of Christ, fail to crucify self, if we fail to crucify self, as we've been talking about, there will still be a crucifixion. 
And we read about it in Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6. If we fail to crucify self, let's read about the other crucifixion that will happen. Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of his Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they, notice, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. If we don't crucify ourselves daily, putting a death to our sinful man on a daily basis, then we're putting Christ back on the cross. It's no longer the Jews that we read about in the Gospels and in the first couple of chapters of Acts saying, you put Christ on the cross. You crucified Him. It will be us crucifying Him again and again and again if we fail to bear our cross, to take up our cross daily. It's the only way to follow Him. I don't know where you are tonight in your life as we have assembled to worship, but if there are things amiss in your life, if you feel the needs of the prayers of this congregation, or if you're here and you're not a Christian, then you need to become one. You're lost. And if you will make your faith active in obedience to the other commands of Jesus for salvation by repenting of your sins, that is, turning from your sins, if you're willing to confess your belief in Christ as the Son of God before others and to be baptized in Jesus' name in water for the forgiveness of sins, you can leave this building a saved person, a child of God. If you're subject to the invitation tonight, we encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing.